sanctifier of the people of God. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, I pray that I may live this day in your presence and please you more and more. Lord Jesus, I pray that this day I may take up my cross and follow you. Holy Spirit, I pray that this day you will fill me with yourself and cause your fruit to ripen in my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Holy, blessed, and glorious Trinity, three persons in one God, have mercy upon me. Amen. Turn your focus to the 23rd Psalm and read with me a Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Heavenly Father, now in the name of Jesus, as we steady ourselves before you, I ask, Lord God, that you would make your presence known in this house this morning. Father, that as we quiet ourselves down and uh, prepare our hearts to hear the goodness and truth of your word, Lord, that you would minister to each one of us at an individual level this morning. Father, open the ears and the hearts of your children to receive. Touch my own lips, Lord God, with a refining coal that I would speak only the words that you give me and none of my own. May this time glorify and magnify the blessed and holy name, the reason for which we gather. In Jesus' name we thank you. Amen. So this week we continue our series in the fruit of the Spirit. We want to look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But before we do that, I want to give you some statistics. So, I've listed out our fruit of the Spirit, and they've got a number next to them. So I'll tell you what I did. I sat down and I searched. How many times do each of these words appear in Scripture? I'll make a disclaimer. I did not conjugate any of these. So this is just love. This is just joy. This is just peace. This is not loving, loving kindness, not joy, joyfully, joyful, not peace, peaceable, peacefully, not patient, patiently, patience, just the word that we see, okay? Didn't conjugate any of them. But this gives us a good idea. In Scripture, the word love appears 574 times in the New International Version. Joy appears 218 times. Peace, 252. Patience, only 16. I wonder why. That's a hard topic. <laughs> Kindness, 63. Goodness, 20 times. Faithfulness, 68. 
Gentleness, again, a hard topic. Only appears six times. Self-control, another hard topic. Appears 16 times. And again, that's all from the New International Version. I didn't, um, I, I thought about going totally crazy on everybody and just going New, New International, King James, New King James, ESV, and just pushing it all at you. But I thought better of it. So this is, this is just going to be kind of our frame of reference for today as we talk about love. I considered wearing my black suit with a black shirt and a black tie and opening up with love is a burning thing <laughs> and it makes a fiery ring, right? I love these people. <laughs> you know good music when you hear it. So we want to look at Galatians chapter 5 just as our reminder. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step or walk with the Spirit. Today we're just going to focus on love. So we're going to talk about three things that we know about love. We're going to talk about two things that we can derive about love. And I want you to note that on your handout, every scriptural context that's in parentheses, with the exception of one, which is uh, James 1.17, because it doesn't actually use the word love in it, uh, but it, it's a derivative. All the rest of them, the word love comes from our fabulous Greek word agape. So, before we dig too deep into this, let's look at agape. Why is there a sloppy joe next to agape? Because agape gets sloppy. Okay? This word gets a lot of people in trouble because we don't love to understand it. Okay? So, I guess I did a couple of cheeky things in this slideshow. Bear with me. Sloppy agape is one of them. But we know that it's a brotherly love. It shows affection, goodwill. This is the kind of love that non-believers point at Christians and say, aren't you supposed to love Mm, and hence it gets sloppy, right? So, because I'm me, because I'm quirky, and Greek's not good enough, right? We're going to have a Hebrew lesson. We're going to go back a couple books. <laughs> We're going to look at Hebrew love and see if this helps us come to terms with agape, maybe clean it up. Maybe it'll turn into a hamburg instead of a sloppy joe. Okay. So we look at the word love in Hebrew. Now, disclaimer on this slide. This slide got under my skin while I was trying to create it because PowerPoint was insistent that it was going to put the yod first and the vav second. Except that's backwards. They need to be the other way around. Reason being, Hebrew is read from right to left. So that guy over there needs to technically be over here. But what I want you to know is these two letters 
are also numbers. And these two letters, when they're put together, do not spell love. Okay, this is the numeric value of love. This word, ahav, or ahava, is love in Hebrew. But I want to point out not only the word, but its numeric value. Because in the numeric value of a Hebrew word, sorry, baby. In the numeric value of a Hebrew word, there's an image. And inside of that image is something very special about love. Okay? So, if agape is a general use of brotherly love, ahav is its kind of Hebrew equivalent. Okay? Ahav or ahava shows us several kinds of love. It shows us man's love for God. It shows us man's love for things or other people. It also shows us God's love for man and God's love for righteousness. Let that one sink in. It shows us God's love for righteousness. Raise your hand if you're righteous. Raise your hand if Jesus Christ has redeemed you and thereby you walk in his righteousness. Yes. Man, I thought I was going to stump somebody. So Ahava shows us God's love for righteousness. It also shows that God has love enough for me to do something to call me to righteousness. Now, when you put these two Hebrew letters, the Yod and the Vav, together, flip them in your mind, please. They make the number 16. That's its numeric value. I can't really give you a lot of rhyme or reason for that. I don't personally make the image come to life whenever I look at this. But in the Hebrew language, when these two letters are pieced together, they show the image of two hearts joined as one. Okay? So when two hearts are joined as one, this is the marital covenant, or it's the relational covenant between man and God. Yes, we are called to love one another. Let's look at a couple of things that we know about love. And remember that as we read all of these, these are all agape. Go to 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We know there's out fear. Am I moving too much? Or are my batteries dying? Okay. <laughs> we know that love drives out fear. Brotherly love. Well, I guess brotherly love is so important because Jesus shows us brotherly love, right? Of course he does. He's our brother and our friend, which means he must have brotherly love for us. He also has a hav or a hava for us wants us to walk in righteousness. 
Go to 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8. This shows us that love covers a multitude of sin. Maybe that's a little bit harder to grasp. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sin. Before I run away with this, can we just back up and reread that? Above all, love each other deeply. This is not superficial, folks. If I love someone deeply, it's more than surface, right? If I love someone deeply, it's from here. It's from the core of my being. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sin. And that sounds like grace, doesn't it? Hmm. What I love about this passage is if we keep going, and I'm sorry, I know I didn't do it in your uh, slideshow, but as you keep going, you see this example. You love each other deeply. What's that look like? Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Would you like a glass of water? Would you like a glass of water? Well, that sounds different, doesn't it? Can I get you anything? Could I get you something? But notice, and maybe you're not looking close enough at me. What changes when my expression, oh, I gave it away. (laughs) What changes when my tone changes? My expression, right? If I give you a loving expression, how are you doing? But if I'm going to be a grumbler, how are you? (laughs) You ever see your phone ringing, it's a telemarketer, and you pick up and go, hello? (laughs) I do. (laughs) Or if I want to show my true colors, I'll pick it up and say, hello, this is Gladys, and if you're selling something, I don't want any. (laughs) You don't believe me. My mom will tell you it's the truth. (laughs) It's the, it's the expression, right? There's something in me that makes my cheeks perk up. Must be love. Love each other deeply. This deep love is going to cause me to shine grace on you the way that grace was shown on me. It covers a multitude of sin. Here's maybe one of my favorite things to derive, or to know, rather, about love. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Oh boy, that sounds familiar, right? It's read at every wedding across the nation. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it does not easily anger, it keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Can you tell that I talk with my baby all day, every day? (laughs) The more she hears me, the more she chatters. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never fails. But false love does. But love never fails. Sloppy agape 
fails. But deep, true agape, deep, true ahava, the joining of two hearts, love never fails. It's the bearing branch for other fruit. Right? Jesus tells us in John chapter 15, I am the vine, you are the branches, right? Abide in me and I in you. Well, here in 1 Corinthians, we see that love looks something like a vine and there's branches. And hey, how about this? There are other fruit of the Spirit. Love is patient. Love is kind. Huh. What do you know? It's like that one was written first for a reason. Well, I thought somebody would laugh at that. It was. It was written first for a reason. Because it's the bearing branch for other fruit. So now let's look at what we can derive about love. Go back to 1 John chapter 4. Okay. I'm actually going to back up to verse 7 just to uh, catch it right after the subheading. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. So if I know that God is love, I can derive that love was from the beginning. Right? Because if you go to Genesis chapter 1, it says, In the beginning, God spoke. Right? In the beginning, God. So he's there from point A. And you say, oh, Eric, that's only one scripture. Well, look at the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word. Right? Hmm. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So if God was from the beginning, that must mean that love was from the beginning. All along, day one, God said, I want to make a glorious creation, and I want to love it. I want to love it. And so he makes it, and it's beautiful. And then he says, okay, man, here. Here's my beautiful garden. Enjoy it. Don't touch that tree, but everything else, just go and enjoy it. Oh, but the snake. You know, he just told you not to touch that tree because he doesn't want you to be like him. If you, if you, just, if you just go ahead and take some of that fruit there, you, you'll just be like him. It won't hurt you. You won't die. It'll be fine. Oh, really? Great. Well, that was that. And now we have all these pages and books and chapters of how God has to fix it, right? God had this beautiful idea. Let me make all of this because I want to love it. Imagine how heartbroken God must have been to have to destroy it. 
and say, mm, let's start over. Let's, let's, let's regroup. I think there's still hope, but let's regroup. Have you ever built something or put something together and it just didn't go the way that it needed to, and so you have to take it apart? You can put it back together, but I'll, I'll share this story. I'm no carpenter. I always say that's one area that I struggle to follow Jesus in. Because if you give me a piece of wood, I might even struggle to set it on fire. Okay? Uh, that's just me. One time, I had the idea to build my mom a cross. <laughs> she said I knew it. <laughs> well, that cross is still in my parents' garage, so they must be proud of it. And please, yes, please laugh. I'm going to embarrass myself with this story. I had this beautiful idea to make a beautiful cross out of oak baseboards. Okay? Um, I don't even know how old I was. I was probably 17-ish. And I... At that point in my life, I was not competent with power tools at all. Okay, I'm still not really competent with power tools, but I'm better than I once was. All right, so, so I, I get this idea. I'm like, man, mom's going to love this, okay? We have this room. We had house church, right? And so it's going to hang on the, on the wall where the ceiling's peaked, and it's going to be gorgeous. And so I went to Lowe's. I guess I was at least 17 because I drove myself to Lowe's. And I got these brackets. And I stood in the garage, get ready to laugh, with a pipe saw, cutting through an oak board. And it took me like an hour and a half, right? And my arm was sore. But I'm working on making this beautiful cross. I'm so excited. Not thinking that these boards are tapered, so it's not actually going to um, line up. It's not actually going to make a square connection. Okay, <laughs> so I, I finally get the board cut. And I get the screws. And I put these brackets that I just went to Lowe's and bought on it, and I stand it up, and the cross is going like this. <laughs> and I thought, oh, man. Here's this, this beautiful creation. Mom was going to love it. And it's in the garage. Sometimes, and no, I wasn't heartbroken over it. I laughed. But you know, when things don't go as planned... It can be a little upsetting sometimes. Had it been something a little more serious than that cross that could have flown away with the wind, maybe I would have been more upset, right? But I can only imagine that when God created this beautiful creation and said, I just want to love it, and then it got messed up, that, that just had to be heartbreaking. But love was from the beginning. In James chapter 1, we can derive that from love is born every good gift. Because it tells us every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. So despite his heartbrokenness, 
despite the fact that he was probably pretty upset with Adam, with Eve, with the world. He said, guys, I just wanted to love you. Why'd you do that? Why didn't you listen? Despite that, he does not change like shifting shadows. So his love that was in his heart at the moment of creation is still there for you. Okay? His love that was there from that first, it is so, it is good, become with you in mind. Still there today. Out of that love, so many good gifts. Salvation's a gift, right? <laughs> that has nothing to do with love, does it? No, that's just a man on a cross, right? No, that's love. Greater love hath no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends, those for whom he has deep, sincere, brotherly love. That's me. That's you. He laid down his life for us. In the Gospel of John, chapter 13, and if you're looking ahead on your notes, you're going to see that there's going to be a little bit of repetition here. But in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus says this, A new command I give you, love one another. Notice that Jesus did not say, A new suggestion I give you. A new kind thought I give you. No, Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another. Oh, and here's another example, another how-to. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Ouch. We like to love people conditionally. We like to love people through a foggy lens with wrong things with wrong expectations etched in the lens when really God wants us to love people through this crystal clear lens of grace the way he loves us he's, he's giving us a command we're commanded to love unconditional love when we when we walk in that unconditional love it says by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another mm. if you love one another stay in the gospel of John and go to John 15 and look at verse 12. 
after Jesus finishes up his teaching here, I'm the vine, you are the branches, he comes along and he says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. If it's repeated in scripture, it means it's important. It means you better pay close attention to it. It means you better live by it. And that's why everything in scripture is repeated. In some way, in some form, between the Old Testament and the New. There's always some kind. If you're friends with me on Facebook, maybe you saw the picture that I shared a couple weeks back with all the different lines of all the different cross-references and how you can weave this entire book from cover to cover, back around the binding, and back to the front cover. Right? It starts here, but it doesn't end here. This book is a circle, and it just keeps going around and around and around. It all connects perfectly. No coincidence. If you come to Bible study on Wednesday nights, you know what I mean about no coincidence, right? That's a bad word in our Bible study. No coincidence. John 15, 12 provides the standard of Christian love. As I have loved you. The standard of Christian love is unconditional. I've been reading a book spent the last several weeks studying Christian marriage and so of course I'm reading a lot about love right now. Dr. Timothy Kimmel makes this point. All God expects us to do is what he was first willing to do for us. Love them. Love everybody overlooking the sin because you're looking through the grace lens, right? Driving out fear with love because fear has to do with punishment. We're not here to punish people. We're here to love them. Now, loving doesn't always make you feel good, okay? Let me, let me expound on that. God's love, specifically, doesn't always make us feel good because it's convicting, right? If I want to use descriptive imagery, I'm going to use gale force winds on a really skinny palm tree. It crushes us. That's the love of God. Strong enough to break us. We as Christians have a duty to be broken together. Okay? When I was getting ready to get married, there was a song, I think it's by Casting Crowns, called Broken Together. And, and it just gives you this image of all of this broken glass. And once, once you break two pieces of glass, if you take two glasses and you stomp them underfoot, you'll never separate them and you'll never put them back together individually they will always be broken together that's how God wants us to love because that's how God loved us by shattering his whole world 
He said, here's my one and only son. It's going to break my heart, but I'm going to offer him for you. And I'm going to lay down his life for you because I love you. And this is what I expect of you, that you love one another. Here at the end, I wrote this. Biblical love does not involve human emotions. It is a byproduct of kingdom emotions. We spent the last eight weeks in our Bible study talking about kingdom emotions. It boils down to two things, compassion and gratitude. And when you put compassion and gratitude in the same melting pot, there's a byproduct that comes out of it called love. All, all of Jesus' ministry was driven by compassion. All of his miracles moved by compassion. He went about his daily life with gratitude to his Father, right? Say amen. Make sure I'm talking to people that are alive. Jesus went about moved by compassion. So he sees people that need healed, and he feels something, something that moves him. Not, not just here, he feels something. You ever felt something right there, and you're like, hmm, man, the gut feeling. And Jesus says, Father, I thank you. Every opportunity he gets, Father, I thank you. He has gratitude in his heart for what the Father has called him to do. He has compassion in his, in his inmost being. And so we say, Jesus is full of love because the compassion and the gratitude spontaneously combust, and here is love. So biblical love doesn't involve human emotions. It involves kingdom emotions, because to truly love, to truly love, our hearts must be first joined to God's. That's why I gave you that image of the Hebrew number, the Hebrew numeric value of love. Because I want you to see your heart as joined to God's. I'm going to give you a recipe for biblical love. So L, look at life through Christ's eyes. Look at life through Christ's eyes. That can be hard for us to do. We, we really have to separate from hmm, ourselves to look at life through Christ's eyes. Once we're looking at life through Christ's eyes, we want to observe his goodness and mercy. But we don't want to stop there. When we're observing his goodness and mercy, we want to adopt it. Okay? Make it our own. Say, you know what? Yeah, there, there's something to be said about that goodness, about that mercy. I need that in my life. Adopt it. 
Now, step three of this recipe might be kind of hard for some of us. Value yourself and others as Christ does. If you deal with low self-esteem, it's hard to value yourself. Maybe you went through something kind of traumatic at some point in your life, and it's hard to value yourself. God doesn't look at that traumatic event. He sees you washed in the blood of his son. He values you. So value yourself and others the way Christ does. And finally, exercise your spirit through prayer and action. Through prayer and action. If I'm not exercising, what's happening? I'm growing old and dying, right? There's an aging process that I'm going to battle anyway, but if I'm not exercising, I'm going to die before it's time. And it's the same in your spirit. You got to exercise that guy. He's in there. And if you've been trying to keep him in the back, if you've been trying to keep him quiet, he's probably going to come out fists up. Stop telling me to be quiet. I got business to attend to, right? Exercise that spirit through prayer and action. Brother Jeff, if I could have a keyboard while we close. When you look at all of this that we've just talked about, it can be really difficult to grasp the love of God. And as I was putting this message together, um, there was a specific song that came to my mind. And I remember, gosh, I don't even know, I must have only been four years old, and I loved, uh, I, I was an ordinary kid, I loved mocking people. And we had this lady at our church, her name was Joan. And I found out yesterday that she's entered her eternal home. But she used to sing this song. And the opening words are, In letters of crimson, God wrote his love On a hillside so long ago. For you and for me, Jesus died. And love's greatest story was told. I love you. Written in red. And when you consider the fact that our God, ruler of the universe, sustainer of all things, would single you out from Calvary's mountain and say, I love you and write it in blood. Well, sure. Sure, I might weep a little bit because that's the crushing love of God. It makes me feel something 
And then Paul writes this letter to the church at Galatia, and he says, friends, the fruit of the Spirit is love. What are you going to do with it? The fruit of the Spirit is love, but what are you going to do with it? Are you going to suppress it? Are you going to push it back? Are you just going to hide it under the table? Are you going to go out into this world? Are you going to share the love of God? It doesn't matter if you got tears rolling down your face, if you grab somebody by the arm and say, listen, Jesus loves you so, so much. Because you know what? When you get emotional, people feel it. Because it's not just that you're getting emotional. It's the spirit welling up in you, saying, I got to do something. My body doesn't know how to respond to what I'm feeling, and so I start crying. Because God is good. Oh, he's so good. I love you. It's been written in red. I know I already quoted Dr. Tim Kimmel, but this is fitting, and he said this in that same book. It's hard to give what we struggle to receive. I want you to let that sink in for just a minute. It's hard to give what we struggle to receive. Right? I'm going to open the altar this morning with an invitation. If you're sitting here this morning and you say, you know what? I guess I do kind of sometimes struggle to receive the love of God. Come forward. Because when you come forward, let me tell you this, it's it's not about we want to judge you. It's not about we want to know who's struggling to receive the love of God. It's about we want to come alongside you. We want to say, you know what? We all have our struggles. There are days that I'll sit in my office and say, God, why am I going through this? What, what's happening here? But if you find yourself in a situation this morning where you just you say, you know what, Pastor Eric? I'm going to be open and honest. I'm struggling to receive the love of God in my life right now. Come forward. It's an act of obedience. God's going to meet you here at this altar. We're going to pray over you. We want to get you in shape so that you can go out these doors and express that same love. The altar's open. I'm not going to rush anybody. When you're ready, I know there will be at least one person because this is a congregation broken people we're all broken it doesn't matter what color my suit is if I have a tie on what kind of leather my shoes are I'm broken too we're all broken but if you just need to come forward and say God meet me here with your love this morning now's your moment now's your moment And it's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to do. But the love of God just crushes us. 
the love of God makes all the difference. If you're sitting in your chair and you're broken, come.